<laughs> okay, take three. <laughs> um, okay, so thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're here in the centre of the banking district in London, uh, in the, an amazing place where, where literally thousands of people are working. And as part of our uh, podcast series during the month of October, uh, we're thinking about some of the challenges that we face in a world of inequality, racial prejudice, all those kind of things. And I'm sat here outside these fantastic offices with Ola Alegbi. Ola, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Tim. Oh, that's good. We're, gonna, we're just going to talk a little bit about some of your experiences. Uh, I'd love to know, tell us a bit about your kind of working history. And I guess particularly, I wonder, uh, as a black man, uh, what your experience has been like and how you've come across, uh, has that caused issues for you during your career progression? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think I've, I started working in the financial services in the city of London at about 2009, I think it was, or 2010. And I've just sort of worked across different um, financial services and energy industries in that time. Um, being a black person, has that affected me in any way? Yeah. So I think it's, um, it's inevitable. So I've had um, experiences, I've had good experiences, I've had bad experiences. I think early on in my career, which um, I worked for a firm where the fact that um, where it wasn't really you you were being judged or you're being kind of assessed based on a combination of who you are, how you look, and also how hard you work. I think the fact that um, the fact that you're you're a black person working in a district that has more people that don't look like you than people that look like you that in itself is is um, not an issue, but that definitely has a part to play in how you're perceived yeah. and um, how you're seen, really. Yeah. Did you feel like you had to work harder because of some of that? Like, did you feel like other people were given, you know, we talk a lot and I, I think we acknowledge increasingly there's, there's a degree of privilege um, that is often attached to certain races or skin colours. Do you think you had to work harder to get to the same level? Absolutely. Um, I always say this. I think a mentor, one of my mentors earlier on in my career told me that being a black person, you have to work three times as hard as, you know, your other colleagues. And um, you also have to probably put in three, work three times as hard to get maybe half of the recognition that they get. So it's, and I think it's something we all quietly acknowledge as a black person. And, you know, you have to work harder than the next person to be, you know, given the same opportunities. Ask the next person. Absolutely. It just seems, that just seems so wrong. And, and, and I'm guessing some people, therefore, never get to a level that actually their talent and ability, if you like, deserves because of it. It's like a handicap. It's like playing golf with a ridiculous handicap. Yeah, yeah. You're, it's like, you, you're right. You start the game with a little bit of an... You know how sometimes you start with an advantage? Yeah, right here, you start with a bit of a disadvantage. Yeah. I think I think being black. So, so you're right. It's, it's tiring, I guess. Um, for some people, they might want, want to go through all of the stress of having to do that over and over again. They might not be able to deal with the fact that they just see it happening right, you know, right in front of them. But it's something which I think, as, as weird as it sounds, I've kind of learned to live with, to be honest, uh, to just know that, well, you have to work harder, you have to be twice as better, um, you know, just to get the same, the same opportunities. It's, I think it's kind of like a black person's lived reality a lot of times, um, working you know, within this industry. In this country yeah but what's the industry like that you work in in the financial services is it kind of cutthroat is it do you have to climb over other people to get ahead or to get the next promotion or whatever 
Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, I think there's a there's a degree of competitiveness, which is probably the same in in, in most um, industries. There's a degree of competitiveness, and you're and I think in life generally, you're constantly competing against yourselves, right? Because um, climbing higher or getting to a more sort of management or senior level is is like a pyramid. There are a lot more people below than there are at the top. Um, if you look at the top and people there don't really look like you or look the way you do, then it gets even a little bit more challenging. Because to, to move the needle or to change the narrative, you have to understand people's lived experiences. Uh, so if I don't understand your lived experience, it's difficult for me to to design a, it's difficult for me to come up with a process or a procedure that works in your favor. If I don't really understand what's, you know, how, what your experience looks like, then I can create an environment or a system that sort of helps you live yeah. that experience, yeah. which is why there's such a big push for representation because then you have people at the top that has a good understanding and more of a broader spectrum of how everyone's lived experiences. Yeah. So it's easier to ensure that the policies and the procedures and things are set up in a way to work for everyone. Yeah. So it's I think it's it's a call for equal opportunity, not necessarily treating somebody specially or differently. Okay. Yeah. It's just everyone has equal opportunities. Yeah. And I think the best way to do that is to have a feel of everyone's lived experience. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you're in like a a team meeting or you're in a one of these competitive environments where people are pitching their idea um, or trying to get their voice heard in the corporate setting that that can often be a high pressure kind of situation to Absolutely, be and yeah. um, does it sometimes feel like uh because of the imbalance and the prejudice that you've described does it sometimes feel like you um you're kind of there's a danger of that voice being lost by even if you're more talented ability you maybe even if you've got the better idea does it feel like your idea is less likely to be heard so the, the, uh there is an element of that uh but i think it's even more around because if you think about it, if your business is client-focused and you're trying to build something for a client, if your clients are predominantly, I don't know, white or Caucasian, then it would probably make more sense to have ideas that sort of that more to, to that demographic, okay. if, if that's what you're, you're trying to get. For, for commercial reasons. Correct, yeah. yeah. But um, I think we live in a very diverse world, mm. and, and I think there's a lot more focus. So things are definitely better now than they were back when I started my career. Yeah. Uh, we live in a very, very diverse world, and even a lot of corporations or businesses are diverse. So if you're building products that are for a diverse range of people, mm. like most products are, then it's always better to have that diverse perspective into building a product. I don't know if you heard about this issue they had in the U.S. a while ago, where they built... Um, I think it was one of the where, where they built sort of like camera recognition systems that couldn't pick up black faces, uh, maybe primarily what, because the facial recognition. Correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you had difficulties identifying black faces. It was more because maybe because people that wrote the code or wrote the logic are more one way inclined. Right? Maybe if there are more white people doing it, or they're more Caucasian, then they've probably built those biases into the machines as well wow. and not not purposely but just unknowingly because yeah. that's what they know yeah. so this is going back to what i said about you have to understand people's lived experience if you have that representation and diversion uh, and sort of diversity yeah. when you're building this product then it would it would, it would serve your clients even better it would work for the greater population better yeah, um, yeah that's interesting so so there's actually a benefit to this it's not just about justice it's actually about being more effective in the marketplace. It's by providing a better service. Um, in a, and I guess 
for us living in a place like Watford in kind of the London area, very diverse population, isn't there, where we are, is that it makes a lot of sense for, um, for products and ideas to include the voice of, of if, what have been in the past minorities, but for the sake of kind of celebrating... Uh, I guess I'm saying it's better, it could be better commercially, not it just is. as a matter of justice. Oh, yeah, it is better commercially. And I think there is also the justice element as well, which yeah. which I think we should we should probably call out. I always yeah. say to people, right, just coming back a little bit on, on, on the justice bit, sometimes everywhere I go, um, I have to do two things. Either I show that um, I'm not a threat, because realistically, when people see you, they just kind of assume, okay, maybe they feel a little bit scared. You might be like, so I'm consciously trying to prove that one that you're I'm, not a threat i'm not them. a threat yeah. you know or secondly i i deserve to be here or maybe i can afford to be here right you know um so and that can get exhausting as well sometimes yeah. right because you're constantly trying to show people you know it's fine i'm okay i'm not here to because people look at you and just put a label okay. on you just because yeah. you're, you're you're black or because you're one color so there is that justice element of sort of judging everyone, you yeah. know, by their character rather than yeah, yeah, yeah. just making presumptions or assumptions based on what the narrative is. Yeah. So I think the justice part is important. Yeah. I guess that's what I'm trying to call out. Yeah, yeah. But you're right, from a product perspective, again, the more diverse or the more representation you have when you're formulating mm. or when you're designing products or building software or anything, then the more you're being, because you're building for a diverse population and a diverse world, mm. then the more it helps you commercially as well in, in that perspective. Yeah, that's good. Just a couple of the thoughts and questions before we finish, Ola. I think, um, I, I wonder, and I'm thinking back to the months that have passed since the horrendous murder of George Floyd yep. and the, the Black Lives Matter kind of movement and everything that came off the back of that. It seemed like a point that was, it stirred up so much, um, so much ignorance on the part of some, it kind of betrayed much of our ignorance or avoiding of the conversation uh, in all of this and i guess as we there's as the months pass sometimes those things can be forgotten but thinking about that as a trigger point i guess for our culture what is a christian response to some of this racial prejudice because it seems to be a lot of um what we could call a kind of a political uh, political correctness it, at the worst i guess it could be a wokeness or whatever that really means i don't, I don't really know and there's lots of kind of humanistic responses but what is a christian response from your perspective to the racial prejudice that that you've come across and that we come across yeah um i think it definitely the judge floyd um incidents and the amy cooper incidents as well which is yeah. a slightly different variant where she weaponized you know the guy's race to kind of literally work against me stirred up all the right conversations um for us as a country i guess and even as a people to really ask you know the salient questions that you know are we being um fair to everyone mm. um how are how, how are we living our lives or how are we setting our processes and, and procedures um you know and i guess from a christian perspective i think the best person to always look to is jesus what yeah. did what did they do right that should be our kind of like my um, example, our shining example, and everyone was the same in his eyes. He, I think Jesus spent more time with even people that, that were seen as different <laughs> than, than actual, you know, um, than the mainstream. Than, than, yeah. than the mainstream people, yeah, yeah. Right? He treated everyone the same, um, which is kind of like the same approach we should have. As a Christian, we need to try and move away from microaggressions or try and move away from seeing people and labeling them 
just because we feel people of a certain race or people that are looking a certain way or people of you know of certain gender and just assigning labels to them or, or dealing with them based on that identity mm. um i think we need to look at the example of jesus and just be christians to everyone regardless of how you look yeah. you know and our behavior to people how we deal with issues should be looking at it from that lens christian first i guess that's that's, that's yeah. the first lens yeah yeah, and to treat each person as a person. Exactly. Rather, rather than, as, rather than uh, one of a number. Or exactly, a or because they're a certain way or a certain way. Yeah. And just pray about it as well. Um, because I think if you're in a place of privilege, it means you have the ability to change things. Yeah. Um, so I think if you happen to be in a position where you can make changes or if you see something wrong being done or somebody being discriminated against because of how they look, or then you should be the one to raise your hand and be like, no, hang on, let's step yeah. back. That's yeah. that's not, we shouldn't do that, yeah. or that's not right. Yeah. So I think sometimes being silent, even though you know what's happening is not quite right, Yeah. that in itself is not necessarily the best approach. I think as a Christian, you should always stand up for injustice, which yeah. is which is what Jesus did. Yeah, that's the, that's kind of the, the sins of omission, the things that we could have done, the things we could have stood up for that we didn't are just as bad as the sins of commission aren't they absolutely um, and I, I guess we're, we're talking about the workplace and it occurs to me that if you're working on a building site so this is so here we are in the middle of the banking district you know there's so much there's so much wealth around where we're sitting right now um but there are people listening to this that are either full-time carers or they're on a building site or something um, there's still opportunities, aren't there? There's, there? there's opportunities in conversation when the jokes go in a certain direction yeah. um, where we can, where the, where the conversation kind of tips into this territory. Like you're saying, as Christians, we can still stop that. We can still speak up. Uh, you know, I, I, I've often reflected when I've uh, done DIY projects and gone down to the, the plumbers merchants. They're all great guys. Um, lots of banter. <laughs> but the... the, but the um, the number of times I've heard things there, people, the way they talk about women, the way the plumbers will talk about their wives. And the last time, it was quite a while ago, but I remember last time I was in one particular plumber's merchants, I, I walked away and I realized I didn't say anything. Whereas I could have easily said to the guys, look, that's too far. But I didn't. And I guess we're all faced with those opportunities, aren't we, to, to speak up and Absolutely. say that that's not okay. Absolutely. You know, not just to walk away, you know, but actually to say something. Yeah, I think if something, I, I, I always feel like morally, I mean, being Christians and, you know, living, living according to the way we should be living, learning from the scripture and having a relationship with, with the Holy Spirit, you know what's wrong. I feel like our moral compass always says what's wrong. Even sometimes when you don't speak or sometimes when, when things are getting a little bit uncomfortable, you kind of know this yeah. is wrong. Yeah. And I think it's once that happens, once you feel uncomfortable about something, you should say it. I feel yeah. If you feel like this isn't going the right way or this isn't saying the right things or this is, you know, misrepresenting a group of people or yeah. this is, you know, saying something that you know, people that fall into that category wouldn't really like them, then you should stand up and say it really. You should be like, this isn't right. Yeah. You, know, you should raise up your hand and be like, I don't think that's that's the right way to say or that's the right thing to say. So you're absolutely right. I think if you're uncomfortable about something or if you feel something is wrong or is yeah. prejudiced yeah. Uh, because someone is a certain colour, if someone is Asian or black, or, yeah. then you should, you should definitely. Yeah. That's really good. Up. That's great. Okay, well, before we sign off, uh, uh, thinking about um, there seems to be some kind, at least the conversation is here, right? And it's really great during October that we can, as a church, think about 
some of these issues more intentionally. Um, but what do you think going forward? How can we be part of positive change as a church? Uh, yeah, I think one, like I said, if you don't understand people's lived experiences, it's difficult for you to, because the reality is if the prejudices or the challenges or the discrimination is not in your face, sometimes you don't really know about it. Or it's just not, you know. So I think w one good thing we can do is to first of all, learn and understand, right? I think um, the key to learning is, is on learning, sort of on learn what we think we know and sort of try and understand and learn things from people's experiences. And I think the best way to do that is to um, speak to these people, right, right? There are tons of books out there that kind of teaches you or, or sheds a little bit of light on how things are set up, um, you know, and how you can be a... Uh, what's, what's, what's the word? No, it's not necessarily a sponsor, but I can, I can be an ally. An advocate. An advocate, yeah, yeah. if you like, to, to a lot of these discriminations or to a lot of these things. Yeah. So I think that's one. One is sort of like understanding and learning people's lived experiences. Yeah. And the best way to do that is really to speak to people that have lived experiences. <laughs> Actually get to know right. people, yeah. Exactly. Like, like uh, I think I always use an example. It's probably not a great example. And, I mean, we can take it out if we don't. <laughs> if we don't. But until you, and this is like, until you, you until if, you, if, you're, if you're a woman, right, until you've had kids or you've gone through a pregnant state, it's difficult to explain the feeling when you're pregnant on how you need to rest a lot or take, take a lot of time off. You've, I've never been in that position. Or I don't know anyone in that position. And I see someone taking time off of over again, and I see like an issue. But if I'm a woman and I've gone through that, I kind of empathize because I know exactly how you're feeling. You're and, I know, and I know you really... You know, you really need that time off. Yeah. So, and that's just saying until you are part of that lived experience or you understand that lived experience, yeah. it's difficult for you to move the needle and change yeah. things. Yeah. So, and the way you can do that is learn, um, yeah. be an ally, speak to somebody, be friends with someone that is a minority or that is black, and you get a better understanding of, you know, their own lived experiences, which is always very different. Yeah. Looking at it from a from white male. Well, yeah. Team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, uh, that's really, really helpful. And it points to our, our third value that we've been looking at during this year and, and we will be beyond is this idea of authentic relationships. Maybe that's where it comes in, is actually building authentic relationships with people that are not like ourselves and getting to, and be, by being authentic, actually getting to know what life is like for each other. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you so much for taking this time thank you for uh, during your too. busy day. Um, it's been really fantastic. And, uh, and I hope for those of you listening that you'll listen to the other episodes in uh, this series. And as a church, my prayer is that we will build those authentic relationships that demonstrates that our faith is not just what happens on Sundays when we sing some songs, but actually it's what we live out on a day to day, even in the boardroom or on the building side. So thanks so much for listening, and Ola, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me.